0: Good day, beautiful peoples of the podcast world. I hope that wherever you are, you are doing incredible. We have another fantastic episode of the show for you today. We have independent journalist Guy Crittenden on. He is an award-winning journalist, and he is the author of Plandemic, COVID-19, The Corporate Coup d'Etat. This is a very fascinating episode. I've stayed in touch with him because he does a lot of fantastic research. And in this episode, we talk about uh, his connection to Greenpeace, understanding Sweden's strategy, uh, checking out the fact checkers, uh, uh, why Snopes is an independent uh, organization, uh, the work of Judy Mikovits, Del Bigtree, uh, we talk about the bank balloon trick to cause you to lose your home, uh, the companies that will benefit from the lockdown, the why there are 30 strains of coronavirus, the work of George, George Webb, the Corbett Report, uh, how Rockefeller used oil money to corrupt the medical system, and so much more. That's not even like uh, a quarter of what's going on. So really interesting stuff. He talks about the fourth industrial revolution, where if you go to and uh, Google strategic intelligence, um, it's going to come up this form. And it's very interesting because it basically has the post-world layout out of um you know what they want the coronavirus post world to look at like And it's so detailed, it's a crazy map. If you guys have any trouble finding it, just send me an email, I'll point you in that direction. Um, But just Google strategic intelligence, it'll come up the World Economic Forum. You need to make an account to see how detailed the plan is and it is the fourth industrial revolution. It is kind of frightening um, because there's a lot of documentation on this stuff. So very, very interesting and very important episode. I know that you're gonna enjoy it. If you like it, please share it with your friends. Um, I'm definitely censored, banned, blacklisted, all that kind of thing. The show has gone way down, so if you want to support the show, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair. Consider joining the Academy, and when you do, you're going to get access to the absolutely phenomenal Soul Compass Course that will teach you step-by-step how to um, navigate life with your innate, inner, natural guidance system, your heart, your soul, and how to navigate life. It is really a distillation of all the lessons I've learned from about 400 episodes year of personal development work so getting very clear on your vision and then using peak performance strategy goal setting and all the 3d stuff we need to do to achieve our dreams fearlessly so that's in the program as well so check that out Um, the best thing that you can do to support the show however is three kind acts in the world you live in today, it's the most important thing you could do because we're all experiencing some craziness out there. And for those of you guys who are really committed to your success, you want to level up, get crystal clear in your vision, and you want to go leaps and bounds, you know, towards creating a fulfilling life and you're ready to do that, hit me up, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. I'm happy to help you out and I'm also happy to help out the CEOs and the pro athletes and all you high achievers out there as well um, to level up, you know, the, the range of people I work with is truly extraordinary. Um, the only difference between the CEOs and the high level people looking for that edge and that really uh, how to scale what they're already doing and really maximize their performance um, is the general public who hasn't, you know, I just call it the everyday Joe, who just hasn't got really clear on what their goal, d- dream, passion purpose is. And that's a process that takes anywhere between one and six weeks. But once you find it, it's extraordinary how the world reacts and how life changes. I've seen some amazing things. So if you're ready to level up, just hit me up mattbellier.com forward slash coaching. Let me know a little bit about you, your goals, your business and where you are and where you'd like to be. And uh, we will get you there. So let's dive into this episode and come to a state of peace and coherence. before we do. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose, hold that breath, and just let it out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day, feeling totally peaceful, relaxed, energized, connected, and ready to get in this amazing episode with Guy Crittenden. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a veteran journalist and communications consultant who enjoyed a 25-year career working on environmental business magazines, during which time he won an unprecedented 14th Kenneth R. Wilson Awards for Excellence in Business Journalism. His freelance feature articles have appeared in mainstream media such as the Globe and Mail, Saturday Night Magazine, and other national publications. He has twice been a finalist at the National Magazine Awards. After a long trip to the Peruvian Amazon in late 2013, he left his job to consult and write freelance articles and books, focusing on environmental issues and spiritual themes such as Amazonian plant shamanism. He also sits on the board of several philanthropic organizations, including the Amazon Rainforest Uh, Conservancy to which all his royalties from his book The Year of Drinking Magic are donated. He is the founder of a new group called the Rainbow Warriors that's organizing people concerned about the rollout of the invasive technology of the fourth industrial revolution and its facial recognition cameras and dystopian immunization passports. Welcome to the show, Guy Crittenden.
1: Hello, brother. Nice to see you.
0: Nice to see you too, man. Uh, we're, we're new fast friends. Um, we've been paying attention uh, very closely to what is going on in the world today. And I was noticing that a lot of your posts were similar to mine. You're a journalist by trade, which is uh, amazing. It's helpful for me to try to share the uh, information that I'm getting and uh, you know, getting to know you a little bit over the last week and just looking at what you're writing. When you're doing the research and you're really trying to figure out what is going on here. It seems like all roads are kind of intersecting in a common direction. And you've recently um, written something called the corporate coup d'etat. And you're not the only one to find these same connections because it's all public documents. And uh, what else, what I'll do is uh, I'll just welcome you to the show and, Before we dive into all this stuff, because I'm very curious your take, how did you get into what you're doing today? Talk a little bit about your transition and just, um, you know, what you're trying to bring out to the world now. Because I think like you and I, we're facing a lot of criticism. It's a very intense time. And uh, I'm just curious uh, your path to get to where you are right now. Okay,
1: well, there's a longer answer, but I'll start with the short one about just what's been going on for the past couple of months. Um, I, as you said in the uh, intro and my bio sketch, which I now realize I need to shorten a little, thank you for indulging uh, me with that. Um, I Back in the day uh, when I was uh, editing some environmental business publications with a small uh, company that I was a co-founder of and then we sold to a conglomerate, I worked uh, for a while with, uh, we, we had some office space in, in our old digs down at Spadina and uh, Richmond in Toronto, and we rented out some space. We had an empty office, and we, we, uh, uh, our company helped an organization that exists to this day called the Ontario Environment Industry Association, which has Onia which has sister publications or organizations in Quebec and and out west and in the Maritimes. And the first executive director of O'Neill was a gentleman by the name of Gary Gallen, who became a friend of mine. And Gary was one of the founders of Greenpeace. Now, not a lot of people recognize his name because he didn't go on to become officially part of the organization when it became very successful but he was living in vancouver back in around uh, earth day 1970 when the, that all got started and he was you know the proverbial kind of hippie lying down in front of bulldozers and it, and involved and he had some great stories about the early days of greenpeace and and how it was so chaotic the, the way they managed their finances for instance was checks started coming in in the mail and they would just be in a giant pile on the floor. And whenever they needed money, uh, one of the people would go over and just open a check and make a bank deposit and that would cover a few days expenses. It was really, really crazy times and and quite romantic in a way. And uh, so through Gary, who I became quite good friends with, I eventually met Bob Hunter, who was really the founder and leader of Greenpeace and the visionary now i didn't become as close friends to bob hunter as gary but i did get to know him and at that time his greenpeace days were behind him and he was doing a, a show for city tv in toronto and he had a regular column in one of the weekly entertainment uh, magazines or newspapers in toronto so we ha- hung out a few times we used to, we had a kind of playful relationship i would tease him he would tease me he once called me an environmental uh, Criminal <laughs> in, in print because uh, I'd written something that this was the mid 90s, you got to remember, was a bit skeptical about the climate change projections. So, anyway, we had this kind of teasing relationship. So, anyway, what happened, fast forward, you know, uh, probably 30 years now. And uh, I, uh, you know, all of what's going on in the world with COVID 19. Uh, came to my attention and initially I, su- I supported the lockdown or the sheltering at home strategy because I thought, well, you know, the government is asking us to, you know, flatten the curve and they needed, this a new virus and they needed a few weeks to get organized and get medical resources in place like beds and respirators. Well, of course, after about a month, I started to wonder, uh, what was going on because I thought, well, surely by now the hospitals have these resources in place. And reports reports started to come out about these hospitals being mostly empty. Some of them were busy in some locations, but some of the hospitals had not seen the surge that they'd expected. And then my whole feeling about this pandemic, which we'll get into later, uh, started to change. And I started to regard this as the beginning of an assault, on, possible assault on our li- or infringement on our civil liberties, because it was weird. You know, the story changed. We were asked to shelter at home for a very specific reason. And then the, the lockdown, as it became called, you know, was continued and continued and continued with no explanation that we were never told. It was sort of like a vague, well, we've got to be safe. And, and then Premier Ford in Ontario, where I live, uh, came out and, and said, oh, we, we have to save every precious human life. Well, okay, so you're, not, you're, sh- you're locking down and, and destroying an, an entire economy because you don't want to save a single human life. And the logic of this started to be, become questionable. And so, tracking back to why I told you the story about Greenpeace, um, I was sitting at home one day, I almost had a kind of dream, and I remembered uh, seeing a piece of film that I'd seen in a documentary um, about the founding of Greenpeace, and I think it was in that film, I'm not sure, but it showed Bob Hunter standing on the ice floes in Newfoundland, I, I presume during um, a protest against the annual seal hunt and a a, a huge icebreaker ship was coming straight at him down the strait, and he was just standing there with his arms folded, staring it down, playing the ultimate game of chicken. Now these ships don't stop on a dime. So he was taking an extreme risk because the captain of that ship would have had to start uh, stopping the boat and, putting the propellers in reverse a long time before he got close to Bob. And as this footage showed, you know, the ship comes toward Bob and it ends up only stopping a few meters from him. And he was at risk of death or injury uh, being plunged into those frigid waters. And so what I thought to myself was, you know, if Bob, Bob Hunter died a number of years ago, as did Gary Gallin of forms of cancer. And I thought to myself, if Bob Hunter were alive today, would he be trembling in his basement wondering what the next thing is that the government would tell him to do? I don't think so. A guy like Bob Hunter and we need people like him today. He would have organized. He would have started resisting. He certainly as a journalist, which was his main profession would have started asking a lot of questions, which I was already doing. And so, um, Anyway, it inspired me to organize a group. We started on Facebook uh, about a month ago. We're over 140 members now, and we're growing like weeds. And I'm starting to get calls from people all across the country, and I'll probably get more people because of this podcast, which I appreciate. So we have a Facebook group called Rainbow Warriors, and we've also might move to another platform that shall remain nameless for now. Um, where we do our actual organizing for, be it protests or, um, resistance to things like dangerous 5G microwave technology that's being installed while we're all sheltering at home and we can't get out to, uh, protest or, um, raise awareness with our elected officials and so on. And, and everything related to this, um. We're very concerned about a mandatory vaccine. I'm trying to guide the group to not get bogged down in the whole vaccine issue on a broader scale because the Overton window of our society does not allow that discussion. But even people who might take the shot themselves uh, could be per- perhaps persuaded to understand that having it be a mandatory thing, or even if it's not mandatory, they could make it, you know, the Bill Gates, WHO model seems to be that, well, if you don't take the the vaccine, then you might not be able to renew your driver's license or your passport, or you might not be able to get into certain restaurants or concert stadiums. So it doesn't have to be mandatory. Uh, It can be made somewhat compulsory. Um, So there's, there's a few issues that we're dealing with among others. And and we're at the point now where we are protesting the lockdown. Um, we th- we're looking. I've been looking very closely at Sweden and the results they're getting there. And everyone loves, not everyone, but some people like to say, oh, but Sweden's deaths are higher than the surrounding countries like Norway uh, and Finland that did the lockdown. But first of all, they didn't crash their economy. Secondly, they did do some social distancing, um, but they don't they won't have the sickness and the depression and the suicides and the illness from a failure to diagnose uh, early for various diseases. So if we were to add from the even just the Scandinavian countries other than Sweden, if we were to look at all those deaths and all of the suffering and the economic calamity, I think Sweden is emerging as uh as um an example of a sane and prudent response to this virus and even the who which i think is even the who acknowledged that and said that sweden was a model for the world which was a very strange thing um and i don't know why they said that but i think maybe they're trying they realize this might not go well for them in the end and they they don't want to be on record as never having said that Sweden was good, they wanna they wanna position themselves so that if they get criticized later, they can say, No, we we supported what what Sweden did, which they certainly were not promoting that model in the past. Anyway, that was a long rambling answer I promise I won't uh, just ramble like that to everything you ask me
0: (laughs) no I I hope you do I love the rambles Uh, um, it opens up for the next set of questions because I listened to I think it's Anders Tegno right is the guy heading up the uh, Swedish response and he was on an interview and he was talking about some of these things and one of the very apparent side effects, if you will, there's probably a better way to phrase that, but all of the deaths and all of the harm that is coming from the lockdown. So a lot of people um, really wanting the lockdown to stay in place, usually they're okay financially, but there's a lot of people that have lost their jobs. I think a conservative estimate is 30% um, will lose the small businesses and uh, millions on unemployment. Obviously when the lockdown ends, uh, some of it will come back. And you, you look at, you know I've seen a lot of your, um, your reports and your journalism, it's similar to what I'm finding. It's like, okay, well, how dangerous is this? Well, the, the doctors are coming out now saying it's 98% recovery. Um, the average is 0.2. And this is all uh, public data. You can find this. And then you start looking at what kind of agenda is is being put forth, and you're looking at how different countries are reacting. And so even just Sweden, for example, their economy is going to be okay, which is huge. Um, There's, I remember uh, Robert Kennedy did a post about how with each 1% of unemployment, how there's increased deaths, increased suicide, increased abuse, increased alcoholism, all this kind of stuff to be considered in the long run. And what's going to happen to a country, what's going to happen to its people, because you know, like he said, he's like, we need to take care of the, the sick and those who are at risk. Um, and if you look at the deaths in Sweden by age, a lot of them are very, you know, very, very high. Like, a, you know, I think a, a, most of them are 80 or 90 years old. And that's a part of life. It's an unfortunate part that some will lose our older people, but 80 to 90 years old is, is the highest bracket. And I, that came from world meters. And so somebody sent that to me because I was asking what's going on with Sweden, right? Is it, is it is bad as they are saying is it's worse that they're saying um let's get to the bottom of this because in your investigations you've seen this like me that the numbers were inflated uh, doctors were pressured to increase the numbers um and all these other things nurses coming out in, in new york city talking about malpractice and things like that and when you start to really look under the hood of this thing there's a lot of suspicious interests Uh, You know that are that are unfolding and so I'm curious if you want to give us an overview of what you've been finding when you started to investigate this and some of the connections that you've made
1: Okay, well um, when you told me that we were going to uh, do this In a video format. I um, I got a cup. I don't have many visual uh, props, but I have a couple Um, so I just thought I would actually show this because this is a good segue um, this is actually a screen grab, which probably won't show very well here. So apologies. This is just low tech, but on my iPad, I'm just sharing. Um, this is this is my article uh, called Plandemic, COVID-19, and the Corporate Coup D'État," and that is you can fi- people can find that on my website, where I'm it's a new website, and I'm just starting to. Archive material and published material there because I've been writing for a bunch of different consciousness shift websites and other websites and my stuff is scattered all over the place. So I started a, a website called Hip. I'm going to first say it, but then I'm going to spell it because the way it's spelt is not what you'd think. My website is called Hypnosis.co. So first of all, it's not a .com; it's a .co, and I did that because that has better security. Um, and it, hypnosis, it's hip H I P and then gnosis G N, uh, G N O S I S. So it's like hip sacred knowledge. So anyway, people go to hip They can find my article there under the articles tab. And to answer your question, um, yeah, yeah I, I spent a lot of time poring over the numbers and, uh, and I started this group um, in the spirit of Bob Hunter called Rainbow Warriors and um, I, was, I was doing all, like, like you have I'm sure experienced the same thing, I was having a lot of stuff coming at me and once I started that group I, I got overwhelmed with the number of articles and links people were sending me. But anyway, it was a, an embarrassment of riches because I had a lot of research material at hand. And I found similarly to what others have found that if you, if you go past the sensational numbers, you know, I can't stand to turn on CBC or the state or corporate media right now. Because every time I turn it on, they say, oh, there's 70 new cases of COVID in such and such community or there's 30 new cases in this province. I think. That's just totally meaningless. I mean, in fact, if you believe in herd immunity, you want people, not elderly, infirm people with existing conditions, but you want younger people to get this and to build the herd immunity. And there are therapies we can talk about if you want later with some of those um, malaria type disease drugs that do... Uh, offset the bad symptoms that a very small minority of people have. anyway, I found that um, if you if you really crunch the numbers, which I do in this article uh, for the for Canada and f- uh, for the province of Ontario, where I happen to have really good data, um, yeah, you're you're coming in. I'm not saying this thing is the same as the flu, but certainly the fatality rate is down. Uh, let's call it in 0.2 to 0.5%, like half a percent maybe. It's obviously higher for people in old folks' homes who have two or three pre-existing conditions. And even there, you've got to wonder at the numbers because let's say, and I don't mean to be insensitive in saying this, but if somebody is in an in old age home and they have terminal cancer, And let's say they were going to die anyway on Saturday and they have COVID-19 as a comorbidity. Maybe they die on Thursday or maybe they die on Saturday, but they die with this, but they don't die from it. And we've all heard this. I don't know why some people don't rock that, but um, certainly the Swedish model is, is coming out looking really good. I think it was South Dakota in the States where they, I might be wrong, but There was one of the states where they threw a parade for the governor because she had not done the the lockdown and the results for her state were similar to all the neighboring states so there's another example of another way we can go and I certainly my research is showing that the next time we have one of these pandemics we should never do this again I mean this has just been a disaster on a global scale and I think when when we look at the economic fallout and the economic calamity, um, we'll realize that, you know, I mean, I'm not unreasonable, okay? Like, let's say this was an Ebola-type disease and one in four people were dying. Of course, um, I would go for this kind of ex- more extreme reaction. But when you have uh, 98.5% of people uh Showing either no symptoms or minimal symptoms. And it's mostly like a cold. And then children, it turns out, don't really get it at all and they don't transfer it to other people. So there's no reason that our schools should be closed right now. So you just look at it systematically and you just find we've gone in a wrong direction. Now, why we've gone in that wrong direction is a subject of speculation. And depending on your own confirmation bias, you you will tend to go down one of several different tracks with that i've been really trying to resist going down the conspiracy track and yet there really are conspiracies let's face it not every conspiracy theory is correct but that doesn't mean that there are not conspiracies and whether we call it a conspiracy or not and whether it was planned In a particular way, and whether the virus was released from Wuhan intentionally or not, although the the timing is very suspicious. um, Certainly, global capital has taken advantage of this to roll out an agenda that it has formulated before this pandemic, and they were clearly waiting for a crisis to turn into an opportunity to roll out the technologies of what is called the fourth industrial revolution, which is what my article mostly talks about. And, you know, I'll pause and you can ask me about that or some aspect.
0: of this. Yeah. You brought up a lot of great points there. I remember when I was looking at the death toll rise for me, you know, if this thing is a super scary thing and, and we're all, you know, it's going to, it's, it's a 25%, you know, death rate of, of healthy people and we need to lock down and that's going to help everybody. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Um, but when you start seeing all this really suspicious stuff of, um, inflated numbers, senators speaking out, doctors speaking out, nurses speaking out, um, and you're seeing that the numbers are inflated and something isn't quite right. Then, you know, you flash forward and I can't remember which minister it was, but it was, a. Uh, It was a minister in Italy, and he's, you know, there's a video of him freaking out just saying, you know, we didn't have 25,000 people die of this. We had them die of, you know, cancer, and then they had COVID, you know, they had all these other pre existing conditions. And so, when I get kind of a little pushback from people, some people have been upset about what I'm posting and I'm like, I'm just trying to find the truth. Have you found an article that showed me that COVID is more deadly than you know, a, a 98% recovery? Most people dying are, are dying of something that um, th- they have existing conditions. And when I went all the way back to this, I actually went, you go right back to germ theory versus terrain theory. And, you know, that's such an important distinction right now. I didn't. I, I knew a little bit of it, but, you know, the very, very Cole's Notes overview is it's between, you know, Anton Bouchamp and uh, Louis Pasteur, and Pasteur was a chemist. Bouchamp had four PhDs, uh, was a doctor, incredibly brilliant. He, was, uh, he held four seats at the Lille University, which was very prestigious, and he talked about the terrain, basically saying it's all about the body. You know, if you have a diseased body you know, you're, you're going to create the virus or the exosome within you. And one of the best examples I, 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 had explained to me, cause I was trying to wrap my head around it, but uh, I think it's Sebi and this guy's a something Sebi um, and he was apparently curing people of AIDS and he got taken to court and he won those cases, but he's a, you know, I'm just learning about him as well. But he said, you know, if you take an apple and you put it in a, in a case, so nothing can get in it. And then that, you come back two weeks later and there's worms coming in. How did those worms get there? They didn't fly in there. They were created from the environment. And that's a very important distinction. And Dr. Zach Bush just did a, you know, he's been doing podcasts recently and hopefully he will come on mine. But, you know, he explains it so well and he's such a brilliant mind and just talks about all these other factors and how, you know, those are what's going to, he's like the, the COVID-19 will kind of, Create a condition to open up other things, but if you are healthy and you are vibrant and your microbiome and and all that's in order, you have nothing to worry about. So, we have all of these really brilliant doctors speaking out. Uh, Doctor Rashid Buttar, uh, Doctor Bruce yeah. Lipton. You know, yeah. we have you know we have Judy uh, Mikovits speaking Judy out. And yeah, you know, yeah. And she's she's <laughs> getting like you know everyone's like oh she's baloney, but like, I watch her speak versus Fauci, and then you know Fauci. Um, you know Robert Kennedy Jr. speaking out about him. There's a lot of people speaking out. And then you look at the financial interests. And I know you've documented some of this as well as I have. You know, which groups are these people in and do they have a financial stake in the game? And how do you kind of raise up in, in the political world? And so when I factor all these things in, one has just a little bit more weight, but I listen to both sides. The problem is if you're only listening to one side and it's mainstream news A and B, you're not going to get both sides of the story. There's always two sides of the story. And when you take that information in, you can then have more information to base your opinion on. And then as new information arises, you can revise that opinion. And so I'd love for you to share what you discovered going down those rabbit holes, because I think it's very relevant you know and following the money trail following the information trail it just leads in one direction and i get worried when they talk about forced vaccinations you know that's a that's a scary idea why do we need forced vaccinations uh why is there such a a massive increase in youtube censorship right and we're kind of going down this rabbit hole the facebook fact check who's who's fact checking that and it goes against the world health organization
1: Yeah, it's the atlantic council and and uh uh these neocons, if you look at who the actual fact-checkers are, they're not uh, independent, unbiased organizations or people. They are uh, right-wing groups that are supporting um, very much, like if you liked uh, free trade agreements and exporting of jobs and globalist agendas and putting countries into austerity, uh, it's that crowd that is actually doing the censoring. So it's part of a larger agenda for sure. Um, people can look that up for themselves. A lot of people don't realize that Snopes uh, is, is now uh, not an independent organization. It's not just the two, the man and the woman in their apartment with their cat that's been infiltrated or taken over by the deep state. WikiLeaks, uh, the entry about uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits on WikiLeaks is a smear. A lot of people don't realize that you can have uh, somebody can create a somebody could create a biography on WikiLeaks about me. I hope I'm not giving anyone an idea here. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I, wanna, I, I better get in there and create my own one first. But what happens is people, falsehoods are published on WikiLeaks not WikiLeaks. I always do that. I apologize. I meant, um, Wikipedia, Wikipedia, sorry. WikiLeaks is great. (laughs) I always make that mistake. Uh, Wikipedia, uh, is, uh, those bios in there, um, can be very distorted and misleading and people try for years to get the uh, wrong information fixed. And so I have shared some of, uh, Judy Mikevitz's material, like the, the first the thirty minutes that are going to end up in this pandemic documentary that's being made, which is a fantastic segment, everybody needs to see that. Well, Of course, it's being pulled down and scrubbed from YouTube and social media every time it's put up with, sometimes within minutes. Um, but the the Wikipedia entry, in, like I've sent it to people, and they they I sent it to one friend who has relatives who are doctors, and he said, oh, they just went over to. Uh, Wikipedia and they read the entry this woman is a known fraudster and she went to jail for a malpractice and I'm like yeah, are, are you really that naive but that is how many people are if it fits their confirmation bias um, then it's it's incredible how easy it is actually to discredit somebody um, and it's a it's a real shame I think however that the the globalists and the people promoting the dangerous technologies, and they are dangerous, um, have overplayed their hand. And I'm starting to see a lot of people putting up memes telling Bill Gates and the, that he can take his vaccine and shove it. You know. So I, <laughs> I, I, think, I think I'm actually, sometimes now, when I see these really over-the-top messages from Gates and the people who support what he's trying to do, um, I'm almost thankful because they've gone so far, it's actually waking some people up. And the censorship, um, I've never seen anything like it. You cannot now share um, a contrarian point of view. And with my Rainbow Warriors group, and even on my own Facebook page, uh, we routinely have to deliberately spell words in a strange way, like vaccines. We have to spell it with asterisks and 5G, the the new internet microwave technology, we have, to, we have to spell that in a weird way because if you, if you put, spell those words in any kind of normal way, you're, that's red bit meat for the censors. And even so, I, some of my friends are getting shadow banned. I'm seeing groups shut down. I've seen several excellent sites that i used to send people to on, or pages on, and groups on Facebook are gone now. Some of them had thousands of followers. So we're not even allowed to discuss science. And I I won't be heavy handed with that because I think this has been discussed elsewhere. And there are people like, like you said, Robert Kennedy Jr. and Dell Bigtree um, and some other whistleblowers and truth tellers out there who are getting that message out. Um, I'm very pleased to see that Brian Rose has this freedom platform and he's going to be interviewing Dr. Mykiewicz on it. I know they,
0: they he, already did. I watched. I watched. Yeah, I watched most of it.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I know he had uh, he had David Icke on, and I agree with some of what Ike says, and I disagree with other things he says. It's it's kind of a pity that he got the most views with that one guy because there's other people who talk about the same kinds of subjects that I don't have sort of the drawbacks of ike in my opinion but um anyway i'm still glad that you know he was able to get the interviews out and i don't believe in censorship so it's just great that he got to to speak his mind and i hope that people uh look past that one interview and look at the other material out there speaking of of voices of reason out there Um, One person I've been enjoying is uh, someone I only got to know recently. There's a woman by the name of Kim Iverson on YouTube. That's Kim Iverson. She has her own show and she talks very sensibly about the data and uh, everything to do with this in a way that I think you would appreciate. Um, And one of her themes, and this is not discussed enough, is like, what's the plan for, for where we go from here? And what she has said, and other people are now picking up on it, is, you know, we've had all these people in lockdown, out of the sun, not being exposed to microbes and soil and all that stuff. When the, when the lockdown ends, it's almost 100% guaranteed that there's going to be a surge. And the policymakers are going to be inclined to put us back into lockdown. And this is something that we have got to resist. Um, we, we do need, to shift to some amount of herd immunity. Uh, I would assume that some of this pandemic, this virus, will disappear in the hot weather of the summer anyway. But it could come back in the fall. And this is where we need to really educate our peers and our neighbors and start saying, look, this is a failed strategy. It's been an interesting experiment. But it's crashed economies around the world. essentially what is happening and, and Dylan Ratigan has been talking about this a lot on his own YouTube show and he's a regular guest now on the Jimmy Dore show on YouTube that I'm a huge fan of. Jimmy Dore is one of the few truth tellers in the business right now. Uh, strange that a stand up comic has to do journalism whereas, you know, CNN and the New York Times and Washington Post just suck. Um, it feels so good to have a platform to even be able to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Dylan Radigan and Jimmy Dore have been exploring the extent, especially in the United States, that doesn't have Canada's social welfare support for people, which has been not too bad. But in the States, the ruling class of the United States has thrown um, the people under the bus repeatedly. And just as they did in 2008, They're giving money to, they're bailing out Wall Street and not Main Street. And the amount of foreclosures that are going to be coming are going to be extraordinary. And I think we will see some of this in every country in the world. Uh, Radigan was saying that one of the trends that's most disturbing in the States is that apparently by law down there, you can go six months without making your mortgage payments if you have financial stress before you can be foreclosed on And what the banks are doing is they're engaging in predatory practices and they're sending letters to people saying it's basically setting a trap for them so that they can be foreclosed on. And the deal is something like you get this letter and it sounds very authoritative and it says, you know, we'll give you a three month, not six month, a three month uh, holiday from mortgage payments. But at the end of the three months, you have to pay it all back as one what's called a balloon payment. And if people don't read the fine print and some of the people sign these things that they don't have to, but they sign it thinking it's a great deal. And what happens is going to happen is in three months when they can't pay the whole thing, they've already pre-authorized the bank to take their home and they've already surrendered their right to fight it in court. So this is the worst kind of predation. So in the under Obama 5 million American families were thrown out of their homes. So that's not individuals, that's families. So that's probably 15 or 20 million people. And a lot of those people never recovered. We're going to see it again. It's going to be another wave. So you're going to see this in the U.S. You're going to see it in Canada, Australia, the U.K., all over the industrialized world. The next 18 months to 24 months, global capital and transnational corporations are going to consolidate the assets not already under their control. What this will mean on, for the, for, in terms of what we see in our daily lives is you're going to see the Amazons, the Walmarts, the McDonald's restaurants, the chain restaurants, the big agribusinesses, the Monsantos, they are going to not only survive this time, but they're going to do very well. And they're going to have much more control over the economy. What you're going to see, and I'm already seeing it where I live, you're going to see boarded up storefronts. You're going to be seeing restaurants out of business. You're going to see small mom and pop businesses, things we can't even imagine because we, we don't think of all these different companies every day. They're going to be gone. Think of the farmers. Think of the family farmers who are going to go under. They're being told to plow, plow their fields under and kill their cattle and pour their milk on the ground at a time when people are hungry. Well, who's gonna benefit from that? It's gonna be the large industrial agricultural companies. They'll go in and buy up those distraught assets and those stranded assets. So um, this is something that is missing in the mainstream media conversation. When I turn on CBC or a mainstream outlet, I almost never hear any pushback. I never hear any, any, Uh, probing questions. These reporters are just performing stenography for the politicians. They're just repeating whatever is being said uncritically. The things we're talking about are almost never talked about with them. You never hear somebody challenge the premier of a different province and say, now, wait a minute. You know, for example, it has come out uh, that there are now over 30 strains of COVID-19. How many people know that? That came out from a Chinese uh, study in a medical journal that was repeated and reported in the Jerusalem Post. And I found out about it because one of my members of Rainbow Warriors is a gentleman by the name of Brett Hawes. And Brett has his own podcast called The Holistic Health Masterclass. And he's a holistic health practitioner, but he has a lot of, he knows a lot of virologists and he has a lot of science people on his show. He's very knowledgeable of himself. So he wrote an article that I edited and he published it on his website talking about these 30 mutations. He's been talking to virologists who are saying, don't think it's going to stop at 30. This thing's probably going to go to 100 strains. Well, if that's the case, We can't have a, are are we seriously thinking that there will be a vaccine for this? Even if you believe in vaccines and I'm vaccine skeptical, uh, but you, you would have to be like, we can't even keep track of the flu. You know, the flu in a good year is probably 40. The flu shot is probably 40% effective. Last year, Brett told me it was something like minus nine. So that's, that's for one virus that, that they try to target by custom blending and creating their vaccines. We have this thing that's mutating like crazy. Uh, it is a Frankenstein type of virus. And it, I think this does speak to the fact that it was produced in a lab and it is a germ weapon. Whether it was released intentionally, as I suspect, or whether it got out accidentally, almost doesn't matter. Um, so we need, to, we need to go past this idea that there's going to be a vaccine um, and realize that we, we all need to start focusing on health and wellness and good nutrition and all the stuff we've been diverted from by, I just call it what it is, predatory capitalism.
0: You made a lot of great points there. I remember originally trying to figure out, uh, you know, what was going on with the virus. I heard that I that I had, um, you know, could have came from a lab, and then you find out about all these reports of this Wuhan lab literally studying the virus and how um, it's able to jump, or, or looking about how it could jump species, and uh, I'm. I'm forgetting his name, I'll put it in the show notes, what I remember, but there was a guy that did a really great report and documentary on it. And he's, he was banned. And then they said he got in trouble for um, false news. And then they did a rebuttal because it was a, you know, a powerful enough agency that they could do that and saying, Hey, you know, everything that we shared is here and they showed all their sources, but it doesn't matter. Um, they still got, you know, banned from from Facebook and YouTube, um, just for just for sharing that, I'm going to pull it up. Um, make sure people can check it out because I looked at that. I was like, "Wow, that's that's crazy." You know what I mean? And and so I think one of the important things as you're discussing this is when you hear an idea, what I like to do is I like to I like to have both sides, you know, and then just get the information and you know, keep absorbing the information. But then when I look at the mainstream news, the challenge is number one, you know, I know only a few companies, um, you know, run our mainstream news in Canada and the U S around the world. And there's vested interest. That's, that's okay. They're going to, they're going to share the truth sometimes, hopefully. Um, but also to look at it and just see what actual information you're getting beyond like what the agenda is, like how much meat and potatoes information and research and scientific data is there. Right. And so when you look at it, and you're, you're kind of in the mainstream area, then you, you need your alternative sources. Look at that information. Go see what you can verify. And then one of them usually has a little bit more weight, has a little bit more evidence. And I feel like that's what we need now is we need uh, everybody to do their investigation because when censorship is happening so quickly, it's a scary thing. I spent some time in China. I was training, I was training with Shaolin monks over there. And, oh, wow. Uh, and culturally, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't ready for it. And you know, the people, they wouldn't talk where I was anyway. They wouldn't talk about religion or politics. They were terrified. There was no Facebook. There was no YouTube. And you had one voice coming down. You know what I mean? And it's interesting because you were talking about you know speaking out a little bit earlier. The doctors and the police officers that are speaking out about this they 're they lose their funding if they do that because they 're going against the institutions but they 're getting fired immediately right now and so if there's not, if there 's no agenda if it 's totally fine. Um, why, are the, why is there such aggressive censorship? Why is there um, such a consequence for questioning? Don't we live in a society we should question, especially when you're telling me um, and, you're, and you're putting it in your own voice. You know, people are giving Bill Gates, you know, some people say, oh, you're, you're giving him a hard time. I was like, well, have you looked into it? Because when you look into it, the whole money trail is there and you can hear what he's saying. How has he become the World Health Authority? You know, yeah. how did you become yeah. a, the planetary's number one doctor and virologist giving us, you know, the insights when many doctors, including Dr. Sa- uh, Zach Bush, Dr. Bruce Lipton, Dr. Rashid Buttar, many doctors, like hundreds and thousands, uh, you know, are, are speaking out saying, hey, you know, forced vaccination a one size fits all for the entire 7 billion planet makes no sense. Yeah. We do not have the science and, and understanding to back that. It makes no sense.
1: uh, Some of the best, there's two guys who've done some really great work on this recently. Uh, There's a guy by the name of George Webb, who you can find on YouTube, Webb with two Bs, has been looking at some of the uh, tracing, some of the uh, virus, and it's how it might have emerged from various P4 labs. He's been doing some good work on that story. In terms of Bill Gates, um, I highly recommend people check out the Corbett report. Uh, Jim Corbett, he has a website, and you can also find his stuff on YouTube for now. <laughs> and uh, he's done two installments of what is going to be at least a three part series. Um, the third part should be out maybe later this week, I'm not sure. and what he it's it's incredible stuff, and he'd already done a um a two part documentary about how rockefeller had taken his money from Standard Oil and used it to corrupt the medical system and only promote a certain form of allopathic medicine, which I think of as kind of the pill and injection culture. And Rockefeller uh, took over the medical system. He, He gave money to research hospitals and universities. And Corbett lays that all out in a two-part documentary but with the new Bill Gates story he's showing how Gates is doing the same thing and it's immensely profitable it's almost like Gates had read uh the Rockefeller biography and got this play out of the same playbook because it's it's shocking it's almost identical so here's Gates who is his former business partner Steve Wozniak said that Gates is a total sociopath okay and it's not hard to understand that in order to be as successful as he is, there, you got to be somewhere on the spectrum or you got to be a sociopath. I'm sorry. It's very difficult to become a multi, almost trillionaire without and be a normal person. But anyway, Gates, is he's, he's following a strategy that, in, that has all the elements of the fourth industrial revolution in it, which I want to talk about in a minute. Um, you know, we got, he wants the, he wants to, he has uh, patents with the Im- immunization passports. He's got, pat, he's got patents on uh, vaccine technology. He's got fingers in every pot. People really ought to seek out Robert Kennedy Jr.'s tweet about what Bill Gates has done and the Gates and Melissa uh, Gates Foundation has done in India and the kids paralyzed with these uh, polio vaccines that were very dangerous. It's an incredible story. Um, I don't want to distract us too much with that, but uh, there, there really is a plan at work. And one of, there are two journalists who I've relied on. I don't want to pretend that I've done, all, I've done a lot of field work in this, I've done a bit, but two people that people ought to track down their work. Uh, One is a Canadian investigative journalist for whom I have the greatest respect. Her name is Corey Morningstar. And she wrote a book, she wrote a series of articles that culminated in a book called the Manufacturing of Greta Thunberg. And that's a provocative title, but she in that book and in that article series, and she has a website or blog called wrong kind of green, um, and she she was showing how, and I have a 30-year background in environmental journalism, so I know that what she's writing is true because I've seen it myself up close, and it dovetails with some of what I've written in the past and some of the things I've even won awards for. Um, she she shows in these articles how the environmental movement has been hijacked by astroturf organizations. AstroTurf is just a play on the word grassroots. So there are all these pseudo sort of Al Gore type Davos oriented organizations that have realized that the greatest amount of money in the world to be accessed is locked up in the pension funds. There, I am not even gonna try to guess at what the number was that I read. It was in the hundreds of trillions of dollars. And this is the biggest amount of money in the world is in these pension funds. And so what these global uh, capitalists are doing is they're saying, OK, we know we're kind of the game is playing out with oil and gas. We know that there are sunset industries that we're trying to get as much out of as we can. We, they know they have to shift the game. And so what they've done is they've embraced the environmental movement but they don't wanna build stuff that you and I would approve. There's no democratic process in place. What they wanna do is build things that enrich their shareholders. So it will be mega projects, it'll be huge hydroelectric dams, it'll be nuclear power plants, whatever you wanna think of that. There'll be liquefied natural gas terminals. There'll be all kinds of things that will have a, a, a green camouflage. But they're actually schemes with the World Bank and the IMF that ultimately put the in, local populations into austerity, which they've done in Greece and they did in Venezuela and they've done all around the world. They're doing these sanctions now on, against Iran during a during a pandemic, which is just reprehensible. So these. <clears throat> So anyway, Corey Morningstar correctly, in my opinion, identified that the big game that's on right now is is for corporations that have no interest in the environment whatsoever to use um, the environmental movement as a fig leaf for accessing those huge amounts of money that are in the pension funds. And you're going to get a lot of people in the public mesmerized and distracted, oh, the little girl with pigtails, oh, how can we criticize her? It's a very good propaganda technique because I found when I, when I, like Corey, was writing about this, people would attack me as if I'm against Greta Thunberg. I have no problem with Greta Thunberg whatsoever. I think she's being manipulated and her parents are kind of interesting characters. But it's not about her. It's that we see the bigger picture and the game that's going on. And I gotta tell you, it's very, very clever. Now, up until the pandemic, I was reading Morningstar and thinking, okay, that's it. It's about these guys accessing the pension funds with environmental projects or pseudo environmental projects. Then I found out, uh, I I came across um, an American investigative journalist by the name of Whitney Webb. And it's another Webb, I think, with two Bs. Uh, I don't don't think she's any relation to George, but they do the same kind of work. And um, Whitney Webb was interviewed by Jimmy Dore on the Jimmy Dore Show. So if you don't have the time to read her articles, go check out an episode of that. But she did a Freedom of Information Act request in the United States, and she found the most incredible document. I'm not going to be able to remember the document name at hand, but if you look up Whitney Webb, Um, and her blog, you'll you'll find it, it's a recent article. And what this document shows is just, it's incredible. It's a document that was produced by the security and surveillance apparatus agencies in the States, sitting down with the Silicon Valley companies, and developing a strategy which is framed in the context of how to beat China in the new technology game. And what it describes is truly an Orwellian dystopia. They lay out in this secret document that we were never supposed to see, it lays out the whole roadmap of what we're being pushed toward. And this is where I'm putting my energy, because as much as we've discussed COVID 19, and COVID 19 has a very important role in this. I'm already like a good chess player trying to think three, four, five moves in advance. And people need to start getting educated about the fourth industrial revolution and the AI and digital technologies that are coming. And I won't describe them all, but if I just mention a couple of them, people will understand what I'm talking about. This is where you have, as they now have in downtown Calgary, if you can believe it, in a Province with a conservative government that you would think would be concerned about pushing back on this. They have these um, 5G poles all over the place, and each one has a set, not just one, a whole set of Huawei facial recognition cameras. So that if you even walk through one of these commercial plazas in front of a building just once, they're going to get you from so many angles on video that they will be able to create a profile of your biometrics and get your physical data such that you, they, can, they don't need your fingerprint now to find you. They don't need even to see your face in a police lineup. They can, they can identify you from a satellite from space looking straight down because of either the shape of your head from the top or this unique signature of how you walk with your body. And then, of course, that information gets processed through complex algorithms and it goes into being matched up with your visa statements, your bank statements, all the things that are being recorded when you speak to Alexa or Siri or maybe your smart TV or your Nest thermostat, all of which have microphones in them. We are already being heavily, heavily surveilled. This is just the beginning of this Orwellian situation. And the term for it, I'm sure a lot of the audience has heard of Naomi Klein's uh, term disa- disaster capitalism. And and I think of what we're going through right now as disaster capitalism. But there's a new word which I think is even better, and it's called surveillance capitalism. And you can find a, a female professor who has written a book, I forget her name offhand and she's got a 50-minute video on YouTube about that, and it's called Surveillance Capitalism. And if you watch that video, I haven't read the book yet, but I intend to, and you start putting that together with some of the other things we've been talking about, we are being moved into a very different reality than the one we're in right now. And it is not being done through any kind of democratic process whatsoever consider that one of the reasons that the kids are being kept out of school is this is a dress rehearsal this is an experiment because ultimately and this whitney webb document expounds on this they want us to have teachers over the internet they want to end the classroom as we know it they have a whole education plan. And guess who has his finger in that pie? Bill Gates. He's a major benefactor of that. They want you to not go to the family doctor anymore. You're going to be diagnosed over the internet by Watson. Okay. And, th- and things like the doctor, the, this classroom, the traditional classroom, those are called legacy issues. They are literally being framed as, oh, that's stuff that belongs to the old Third industrial revolution, that's an old hat. We're we're burying that in the past. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not opposed to good internet speeds and things like that. But uh, this is not what this is about. This is about control. And it's about mining you and me as data. And so every time that we interact with Facebook or cell phones or anything like that, uh, we're giving a tremendous amount of data to these companies and that data is being sold. But I'll, I'll, I'll pause for breath in a second, let you get a word in, but I'll just finish that thought by saying the definition of fascism, the classic definition, is when large corporations collude with large government in serving their own needs and not the needs of the people. And I think you could make a very good case that we are moving into a new form of fascism where our governments and our large corporations are not responsive to the needs of the people. It's an oligarchy, or what we could now properly call a technocracy. And we're moving into an era of technocracy in which our rights are going to be uh, pretty much non-existent. We have Julian Assange in jail, which is just like a scene out of 1984. And as long as Julian Assange is in jail, and these undemocratic technologies are being rolled out and the 5G towers are being installed all around where I live while I'm in lockdown and I can't get out and protest, although I do. Um, the, uh, this, this is very frightening. So there's COVID-19, but people really need to get up to speed on surveillance capitalism and the technologies that are being put in place right now while we are supposedly staying at home and spending time with our families and bonding and watching TV together. Like, screw that. There's millions of people on the brink of starvation around the world. And I have spent some time with my family, but I've been using this time to organize and to start thinking through how we push back against this. Because when we come out of lockdown, I swear to God we're entering into a new world and it's not a world that I want to live in. Okay. That's the end of my speech.
0: (laughs) Well, well you definitely touched on a lot of very important topics. Um, I think some of the listeners of my show are going to definitely know about uh, the surveillance. Interestingly today in one of the groups that I'm in, I, I got this uh, little video said, Hey, just so you know, uh, Facebook has been tracking uh, everything that you do off of Facebook. And as, and I kind of assume that, you know, I I just assume it at this time, but I'm like, oh, I can shut it off. And so I look and lo and behold, when I'm not on Facebook, they're tracking all of my stuff. And I grabbed my, my girlfriend's uh, phone. And I said, let me see that. And it showed everything that she had there too. And so um, if you go on my Facebook, I, I have a video for how you can turn that off. And you probably turn it off, but they probably still collect that data anyway, you know? And so you're absolutely right about, being very concerned with the direction that we 're going in with the surveillance um the i d passports you know you have Elon Musk and uh, you know Bill Gates in the chip and it 's literally in the patent it has a six 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 in it you know it's like you can 't make this stuff up. this is absolutely absurd, and there's so much going on where you know when we 're looking at what 's going on, everybody's talking about the coronavirus what what do we what do we not know because when you look at the global elite. And what they do in these big corporations. And that's a great way to put it. I just say, hey, it's these big corporations and these people that are just, they might not have your best interests at heart. And that's a, for some people, that's hard to understand that, hey, maybe these big, powerful people don't care that much about you because when 9.1 million people die of starvation, or, you know, if you look at, um, you know, what black people have gone through over time, it's not hard for them to say, Hey, you know, you shouldn't trust your government. You know what I mean? Like we've been through this, but you know, my m- people have grown, gone on uh grown up in privilege, you know, they're like, Oh no, no, the government's definitely on your side. Or, you know, anyone's from a third world country or gone through that. They're like, uh-uh, man, you know, you don't trust your government because you know, it's about power and this is a power game. And if we don't wake up to these surveillance systems to these uh, you know, testing martial law. And my concern with this is I'm hoping the people wake up and we can do something about it because they've baked the second wave into the cake as Corbett report kind of suggests is like, Oh, the second wave is going to be worse. Yeah. When you increase stress, that is a, um, the highest indicator of disease. Uh, the placebo is a very incredible effect. It works to cure and it also works to create illness. If you keep uh, thinking about illness
1: placebo is is incredibly powerful
0: yeah. um,
1: I think what we're touching on here uh, we've been skirting around an idea which which um, I keep plugging these other journalists because I want people to have this awareness because there's so few voices right now honestly I could count on these two hands the number of journalists who I routinely listen to and one of my favorites is the Australian blogger who you may have heard of Caitlin Johnstone and Caitlin Johnstone if you if any of your listeners are not familiar with her I urge you to start tracking her on her Patreon account or wherever Um, and she she refers very often to something that's a pet theme of mine, which is narrative management. And what the powers that be realized a long time ago, especially after the protests against the Vietnam War, uh, needed needed they needed to do this. If you're the CIA, the FBI, MI6, or in Canada, the RCMP or CSIS or any of these groups, uh, the name of the game is narrative management because um, if you can control the narrative, then you can, you can achieve the corporate outcomes and the state slash corporate outcomes that these colluding entities want to achieve, which seems to have a lot to do with control and exploitation and super profits for an oligarchy. And we all know, well, maybe you don't all know, but there's something called the Princeton study, which a few years reviewed all of the legislation in the U.S., at the municipal, state, and federal level and found out that, you know, something like 98% of all the, all the policies and rules favored the wealthy 1% and were not in the public interest. So the fact that it, it's not just a dramatic statement to say, oh, we no longer live in a democracy. In the United States, and I would hazard to say most other industrialized countries, we now live in a form of oligarchy. Where I first, uh, ran into the whole issue of narrative management on, on steroids was when I did a deep dive into the proxy war on Syria. We don't need to get bogged down in that, but it's worth mentioning because a lot of people don't realize <clears throat> um, the only reason that Obama did not bomb Syria or invade, or he did bomb it, but the only reason he didn't send in ground troops we, it was because Seymour Hersh, the famous Pulitzer Prize winning journalist who exposed the Malay massacre, among other things, he wrote a series of articles that he could only get published in the freaking London review of books. I mean, these articles should have been on the front page of the Washington post. If that was not a corrupt entity owned by Jeff Bezos, who sits on a Pentagon board. Um, but, uh, one was called the Red Line and the Rat Line, and the other was called Who's Sarin. And what he did is he exposed that the West—that is to say, the Western intelligence agencies and the West, the Pentagon, and so on—we were supplying poison gas, or we were making the circumstances copacetic such that the so-called rebels or militants some would call them terrorists, these foreign proxy armies that the West has trained, financed, and deployed in Syria, were using this gas against the people and not President Assad. I don't want to get into whether Assad's a nice guy or not. It's really beside the point. Over 500,000 Syrians have lost their lives in a war that was only ever about hegemony, and competing gas and oil line, oil pipelines or gas pipelines, and there's a sort of Israeli-Saudi uh, component to sponsor this. And basically, the Saudis and this all came out through WikiLeaks. Um, and now I really do mean WikiLeaks and not Wikipedia. Uh, uh, it came out that the Israelis, many years before the Syrian conflict began, uh, the Saudis. Uh, had said, we will pay for you to invade it and you, the United States, you, you you organize it on the ground. So the war on Syria has been a dirty war. And it's been a war that has not been reported properly to people in the West. And this is really where I lost my innocence about the Western media. And I would see an I guess maybe, what is the most efficient uh, image I can convey to to convey the depths of the deception about that country? And, uh, and the best example is this. Um, the There's an organization most of people have heard of, I'm sure, called the OPCW, which is the Organization for the Prevention of Chemical Weapons. And they went in to investigate the supposed gas attack in Douma in Syria. Now, it sounds like I'm off topic, but you'll see how this ties in. And what happened was the inspectors went in and they found that this, what had been purported to be a canister of gas, poison gas dropped from a plane or a helicopter had actually been staged. And there was lots of evidence that, it hadn't, in fact, crashed through the roof of this building, but had been placed there, and I won't get into it. Um, but but the inspector's report was falsified by people higher up in the organization. So here we have a United Nations agency suppressing the information discovered by its own investigators through the OPCW in order to frame President Assad, in order to legitimate the ongoing Proxy war against that country. This is a scandal of enormous proportions. This is front page news. The OPCW falsifying, and what happened was, it's it's uh, it's reporters or its uh, agents who had done its professional inspectors came out, and some of them uh, became whistleblowers, and they've come out and said that this happened. You know that not a single mainstream outlet in the world has reported that story not a single major television radio station network newspaper not a single name brand that you can think of now that to me tells me that the extent to which the media is now no longer a free press it is working in cahoots fully with this superstructure of this corporate government collusion. And therefore we have to look very carefully where we get our information from. Now that same media that not only lied to us for eight years of the Syrian conflict, during which I'll just throw one other factoid at you, in a single year the a Pentagon defense agency spent 500 million dollars on propaganda That that 500 million dollars buys you a lot of propaganda a lot of those images that we've seen of of terrorists uh, supposedly sawing off the heads of captured uh westerners a lot of that stuff was green screen a lot of that stuff was produced by us like people just don't realize this the little girl supposedly in in Aleppo who was in fear for her life she was not even in syria those it, those events were staged from outside the country anyway i don't want to get lost in detail on that but when you when you consider the lie about the opcw investigation of duma and you think that that same media is the one that's reporting to us about covid-19 it's that same media that's repeating the talking points from the government that we must shelter in place, and we must not question the authorities, and we must take a vaccine and so on and on and on. That same media is also carrying water for the rollout of the 5 g technology, which I would like to talk about in a moment and and the other uh, technologies of the fourth industrial Revolution, which superficially sound great, self-driving cars super fast internet speeds. But I've been looking into that and there's more than 4,000 suppressed, some say 10,000, but I'll just go with 4,000 suppressed safety studies that show that 5G technology causes cancer and a host of other diseases.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you made a lot of great points there. I think that that's a tough pill for people to swallow. Sometimes when they say, oh, you know, the mainstream, might not be telling you the truth, and it isn't. You could look up uh, Operation Mockingbird. Um, a lot of documentaries come out there, and they talk about how the you know, CIA infiltrated the news and would just hang, hand bags of money. This was in Stephen Greer's documentary. It's been in many documentaries. The
1: Church Street Commission is another one that they investigated and found that the CIA had infiltrated all the newsrooms. And there's no evidence that that ever stopped, by the way
0: yeah exactly right and and it's just money to create you know an agenda to move something forward that might not be of our best interest and when you understand that the news isn't telling you the truth that's not where like not everything obviously you see is false but you need to get information Outside of that alone, for sure. That's a, a full stop. You have to go outside just the mainstream narrative to find independent news, independent reporters, because once money gets involved, there's gonna be now an agenda and a certain narrative that, that gets pushed forward. And you can look, I've been posting this documentary over and over again, but the century of self by Edward Bernays and understanding or you know about Edward Bernays and how he, you know how brilliant he was Sigmund Freud's nephew and using propaganda techniques and these are a lot of these things are ancient techniques you know uh like this is the the rulers of the world have known these things it's just that it's not something you think about every single day but it's something that people need to kind of wake up to because we've got to figure out if these new legislations if these new technologies are good for us or not good for us and if we're going to lock down and it's interesting too, because you look at the lockdown and we see how fragile the system is, then alone, you know, not going into banking and how, you know, the whole financial system is, is, is super corrupt and, uh, it only benefits a few very, very well. And they're still going to be fine. Like you shared that uh, example, that one small example of like, we won't even put your payment at the end for add another three months. Banks don't want to get paid by everybody. So we're just going to let everybody go homeless and you're going to continue to be uh, billionaires and the big governments are going to bail out banks and corporations and all these things. In Canada, I just heard today
1: Trudeau announced, I couldn't believe my ears, he's announced these bridge loans for the largest corporations in Canada so that they can keep their employees employed. Well, that's incredible why are you bailing out and helping the largest corporations the largest employer in canada as elsewhere is small and medium-sized businesses so where's the money for them i know there maybe there is some in canada i know in the united states what they did it was the biggest heist in world history was bigger than the 2008 mortgage fraud uh bailout um what happened was and, and the uh, U.S. Congress and Senate passed a stimulus bill. They've done four of them now. In the first one, they, they basically gave $500 billion to the largest corporations in the States. And that money, you have to understand, gets leveraged with the U.S. Fed and Treasury. And it, gets, it got turned immediately into $4.2 trillion dollars. That money went directly to the thousand wealthiest families and corporations in the United States. They didn't have to wait for months for their measly tw- one time $1,200 check that uh, Democrat speaker, Nancy Pelosi wanted means tested. Literally the democratic party in the United States is by and large to the right of Trump, if you can believe it. And every one of those progressives, Ihan Omar and, AOC and and Bernie Sanders who were supposedly the squad and they're the the progressive wing of the Democratic Party they all they all voted for this they say they didn't but they did because it was a voice vote and they 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 went for that so there wouldn't be a record so it was I think there was only one US senator that opposed it anyway the point is there was this bipartisan support for a bill that bailed out the elites and gave them the money to go around for the next two years hoovering up all these distressed corporations and consolidating their power. So that's why I call it uh, pandemic plandemic uh, COVID-19 and the corporate coup d'etat. We are living through a corporate coup d'etat. And if people in Canada or Australia or the UK think it's any different, you're kidding yourselves. There is an immense consolidation of power going on and our governments are giving the wealthy companies the money to do it, which only exacerbates the problem. I personally know lots of people who said to me months ago, if this lockdown goes for another two weeks, we're done. And that was months ago. And if this continues, as I expect, at least for certain sectors of the economy for another month or more, Just we're not going to see the devastation. We don't see the bread lines, but it's because of the way the world is today. But, you know, you got to remember in the 1930s, it took something like two or three years to get to something like 30 percent unemployment. We've got to that in a matter of weeks. Um, So we're in an economic depression. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. The world economy has been devastated. Uh, and the governments are actually propping up the stock market, not the real economy. And you've got to, I I don't know how much of this was by design with respect to this pandemic. But what I do know is that at the very same week that the information started to leak out about this virus coming from this Wuhan lab and you know, remember when it first came out, it was a little bit nebulous and we didn't really know what was going on. But then there was that one week where it became a real story and people started to become aware. That same week, hundreds and hundreds of executives resigned their jobs from Wall Street. They resigned their jobs from the some of the largest corporations. Why did they do that? They did it so that they could exercise their stock options and short the market. Because the word obviously traveled that there was going to be this downturn. They knew since last fall that there was going to be a huge stock market correction because something called the bond yield curve had inverted, which is a 100 percent predictor of a recession and a stock market a bear market. That had happened last fall, and usually there's a there's a an economic correction every seven or eight years in a capitalist system. We're actually at the end of a 90 year uh interest cycle and we went what 12 10 11 12 years since the last downturn so that we were ready for a big one so while the rest of us were sitting like chumps these executives exercised their share options they got rich. They shorted the market. The hedge fund managers made billions, I'm sure. And we'll be hearing about this in some Michael Moore documentary five years from now. And now they're going to use all this money that they've, they've got to go and consolidate the market further, consolidate the assets further. It's, it's devastating. And they're getting helped every step of the way by governments. And I'll tell you, the liberal governments and the democratic governments are just as bad. As the conservative or Republican ones, they're really not different, because they all answer to their corporate masters now. So um, you know, it's a, it's a very difficult situation we're in, and I do want to I do want to mention something. And and yes, I'm going to shamelessly plug my book, because because why not? <laughs> but it actually is it actually pertains to what we're talking about. Um, I'll just mention it. You mentioned it in the intro. I wrote this book a couple of years ago called The Year of Drinking Magic, 12 Ceremonies with the Vine of Souls, which you can buy on Amazon or you can order it through a bookstore. That book won the 2018 uh, silver medal from the Independent Book Publishers Association. Now, I'm not telling you this because I'm trying to sell books and make money. I donate my royalties from that book to the Amazon Rainforest Conservancy, as you mentioned at the start. But this book and what I'm about is the consciousness shift. This is a book about my, my explorations of shamanism and plant shamanism and my work with what some people would just know as psychedelics. And I am part of the psychedelic renaissance, and I'm, I'm happy to share that. I'm not... Um, I'm not uh, one of these people that's uptight about talking about it. And we, we not only need to push back against the fourth industrial revolution and some of its excessive and dangerous technologies. I'm okay with some of the ones that aren't dangerous, but um, a lot of them are. Uh, but we need to start uh, visualizing the new world that we want. I too want a new world order. I just don't want it to be the one that Gates is imagining and some of his, his friends. And I think we need to start really investing in community, in local food production. I mean, the most revolutionary thing you could do today is have a garden and start growing some of your own food. I intend to, I've never done any of that. I, I don't have a green thumb. But I fully intend to start doing that kind of stuff. Um, we need to start getting local. We need to invest in our friendships. And, and as Buckminster Fuller said, and I'm going to really butcher this, but he said something to the effect that we don't get to where we want to go by just criticizing what is. You have to build the what you want. You have to build the better thing, and then people will naturally come to it. So as we push back against the technocracy it we can't just be against something we need to be for something and the and figuring out what we're for is what i'm now trying to turn more of my attention to so we've talked a lot about this really dark stuff and and but we need to we need to really get people focused on the fact that there is a spiritual renaissance going on as well there is a lot of awakening going on it was interesting actually with the brian rose interview with david Icke, that even though there were parts of that that i didn't agree with he spent about the last 20 or 30 minutes talking about something that most people would know as non-duality or non-dual um, yogic philosophy the idea that there is no physical world per se but we are all local manifestations of an infinite single consciousness. That sounds pretty out there, but that's certainly what my own investigations and my work with plants like ayahuasca has shown me as well. So, um, and what I love about this, and now I'm thinking kind of, I'm actually paraphrasing something Terence McKenna said in one of his talks, you cannot win against the establishment by attacking it head on because they have all kinds of ways to deal with us. And as John Lennon said, you know, if you go at this with violence, they know how to handle you. But when we start looking at things like non-dual philosophy and we start talking about organic farming and buying, you know, everything within a hundred miles kind of philosophy, and we start working with psychedelics that, or shamanic visionary plants that open us up to other realms and other modalities of consciousness, it represents an orthogonal or sideways attack against the battleship for which it doesn't have a defense. So I have been going to some of the weekly protests at Queen's Park, and I have been getting out there. But ultimately, that's not really where the solution lies. The solution lies in building communities of conscious awareness in these areas that I'm talking about. And that's how we're going to win over the long-term. We have some short-term battles ahead of us. We have to stop these 5G towers being put up. Somebody told me that 50 of them were burned in Quebec yesterday. I don't know if that's true, but that sort of thing is coming. I can imagine, uh, I'm not encouraging violence, but it wouldn't surprise me if you're going to have people going out with guns and shooting these things from distance. I mean, they're so, I, I, I just don't even know what corporate American, corporate Canada is thinking. When they install this stuff and people start getting the nosebleeds and the headaches and the mysterious feelings of unwellness, they're going to start pushing back against this. There's a theory that COVID-19 is cover for those symptoms. And that might actually be the case. Wuhan is the Chinese city that had the biggest rollout of 5G. So maybe these, but I don't really buy that as a long-term explanation because that would fall apart eventually, because eventually this virus will go away and then people will be left with the 5G and they'll figure out that that's what's making them sick um but it's certainly being very it's very helpful for the the Rogers and the uh the Bells and the Shaw's and the uh, any telecom you can think of i'm just talking about canadian companies i know they are Verizon and other things in the states um yeah so so we have got a sh- we've got short term strategic things we have to do but we have a much longer uh, bigger movement to start which is why i called my group rainbow warriors because it speaks to that legend i know it's apocryphal but you know that there will be a a day when the earth's animals and plants and creatures will be in great distress and there will be a group from different tribes the different skin colors the red skin the yellow the white the brown the black and we will come together and we will You know, like Noah with his ark, we will we will save nature. Um, This is something that we have to step up and into right now. And I realized when I had this thought of of Bob Hunter forming Greenpeace, I had this very profound thought of, you know, he's not alive, so I have to step into that role. Not not just me, but all people of consciousness have have to. Step into this right now. It's not 10 years from now. It's not 20 years from now. It's not five years from now. It's right now, today. You've got to get involved. We cannot sit this one out, people. When I went to the Queen's Park protest last weekend and the weekends before, I say to myself, where are the young people? Usually it's the university age kids that are out. They were the ones leading the Woodstock and the Vietnam protests. And I don't know what they're doing. They're totally missing in action. I only saw a handful of them there and I congratulated them on being there. But I don't know what they're doing. Are they at home playing their video games? I'm sure they're going to be thrilled when the virtual reality technology comes out. And there is an argument to be made that this is the best possible situation If you're a Silicon Valley company and you've invested all your treasure in virtual reality headsets and escaping into virtual reality, being locked down in our homes is the perfect training ground to prepare us for that. And I'm afraid that the young people are gonna be like the kids in that famous story by Hans Christian Andersen. They're gonna follow the Pied Piper of technology into the mountain and the mountains going to close behind them how's that for an image and our young people are going to disappear into this techno technological pseudo reality uh, when they need to be getting out in nature they need to be enjoying music with each other all the things that all the things that we're being told not to do
0: yeah well You shared a lot there. I absolutely agree with, with all of it. I think we're in very fascinating times. I was going to ask your, your question. I was going to ask you a question on potential solutions because when I look at everything going on um, it's pretty frightening and I, and I'm seeing what you're seeing as well. I do think that this is an opportunity for everybody to participate, to wake up, to ask questions because this is something that needs to be questioned and it needs to be investigated and we all need to take our responsibility for that. And when you do your own investigation, you're going to come to the same conclusions many of us had, and there's something to be concerned about. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, things that just don't add up and so what are the solutions and can we come together to bring those solutions we can we see now how fragile our system is and how easily it can crash and people are like oh well how much food do i get where do i get food you know how the heck is food made and when we can't even provide for ourselves you know we're going to have to go to these outside sources whether it's the government or you know something else to get food when we as a few people could grow a garden and figure it out and have a a good life with, with everything we need, but we live in this world, it seems of materialism and greed. And so it's taking a step back. And like you said, standing up, I don't think we can play on the sidelines right now. Um, I think we just touched the surface on so much, so much information i know you can go deeper on each and every one and there's still a lot of topics um that we can cover but i i have to uh get up to my little one in a minute so i wanted to ask you is there anything that you wish that i'd asked or that you want to touch on and and what do you think we can do like uh yeah, it's kind of a vague question so feel free to elaborate but if we missed anything you feel like is important please share that and and what do we do to move forward to create this solution because I agree with imagining the most ideal narrative and we don't need a government to allow us to do that we don't need an okay we literally need a small groups of people small communities just working together hand in hand and like all right what are the basics food water shelter cool let's sort that out then everything becomes a bonus but but three, four months ago or two months ago, geez, I don't even know how long we've been into it. People are like, what no, I need I need this and I need that and I need all these other things and I need this type of car and a leather couch. Right now people are like, holy crap you know, we're losing our businesses, we're losing our homes. Uh, you know, I'm scared of the outdoors, we need to social distance. A lot of that, you know, for me, they're, they're trying to, the narrative, it pisses me off, because people buy into it. And I'm like, sweet Lord, you know, don't hug your neighbor. Don't we need that. That's the humans need that. And I don't care if they're like, humans are the most toxic thing. It's ridiculous. You know, if you look in history, and how powerful our immune systems and, and how powerful we are, and it's proven to be 2%. Uh, you know, mortality is the highest it is. It's like, we can hug our neighbors. We can hug our mothers and our fathers. And I have such sadness and compassion for those, you know, elderly people who i have seen some images where their families are too close or to to let them pass over. They don't even, um, they're not even with their loved ones to pass over. That's, this is the time.
1: This is one of the great outrages of our time. Yeah. That elderly people are being, I'm going to get choked up even thinking about this, they're dying alone because their family members are not allowed. I don't know if this is more of a US thing. I don't know how extensive this is in Canada, but we know this disease affects the elderly with preexisting conditions, and they are dying alone because their family members are not allowed to visit them. I think this is going to be something that we're going to look back on and with great shame, and rightfully so this is the ultimately dehumanizing quality. And I do not have this virus and I have friends who do not have it. And we hug each other and we are not accepting this new normal of social distancing, which does not work anyway. Um, but I don't want to split hairs. Oh, some people are wearing masks. Some are not wearing masks. Everybody's divided on all these different narratives. Um, Yes, we've, we've gone as long as I think we should. I will just leave your audience with a couple of thoughts um, about practical things to do. One, anything that the government and YouTube is censoring is something you must seek out and watch and read because almost everything that I've seen taken down is the best material. It's the, those two doctors in California that came out and reported from their own data. There's Dr. Mikovits. There's anything from uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. and his Children's Health Defense Organization. Start tapping into those alternative sources. I've named some alternative journalists that you can look at. There's Aaron Maté, Jimmy Dore, Max Blumenthal, Abby Martin, Caitlin Johnstone, John Pilger. There's some voices that you can truly rely on and Dr. Mikovits and Dr. Bruce Lipton, and these people with epigenetics, and they're teaching us about how to reconnect with our own inner capacity for wellness that evolved over millions of years. So there's that. And then there's some practical things I want people to consider. Investigate 5G. Do not accept when you just talk to one of your friends who's in that world of technology who will say, oh no, it's, it's, uh, people fear new technology and they're just Luddites, don't worry about it. No, I've looked into this. 5G has some very, very dangerous uh, frequencies and it is a different technology than 4G and it is going on top of 4G. So you're going to continue to get all the 4G radiation, which is already causing more harm than we know. And we're also gonna get the 5G. So consider getting 5G stickers made with a red line through them and put them up in your neighborhood. Get fact sheets and put, put them up on telephone poles. This is going to have to be fought neighborhood by neighborhood and community by community. Don't just put your trust in people at the provincial and federal level winning this on your behalf. I mean, hopefully some of that will happen too. But look at the local level, talk to your neighbors, organize locally, oppose 5G in your community pending a thorough safety review. And uh, educa- start educating your neighbors about the risks of a vaccine that they're already injecting into people on an experimental basis. We don't have a vaccine for SARS, and that was almost 20 years ago. There has never been a successful vaccine for a coronavirus, and there probably never will be. So start we don't have to you don't have to become an anti-vaxxer. Get educated about how a vaccine would or would not work for a coronavirus and start asking critical questions and and then also start thinking about the things that you don't need to ask your government for permission to do. For instance, if we get a new digital currency and a, and a universal basic income, that sounds great, but that can be used to manipulate people. That money can be deducted out of your account if you don't do what the government tells you to So I see us moving to more of an economy of barter. So I will paint your living room if you give my son a massage, this kind of thing. Like we need to get back to barter. We need to cut out the middlemen. We need to cut out the banks and we need to cut out the government. There's actually a heck of a lot of things we can do without being like slaves in a master-slave relationship with the government and these corporations. We can take back our agency and we can do things locally and we can be, we don't have to go back to the Stone Age. We just need to re reprise some of that uh, spirit that our, that our grandparents had who went lived through the Great Depression and learned to do more with less. And I, I think I'll leave it there. I think I've indulged your time enough, and I think our audience is probably at the saturation point. But this has been a great pleasure, and I look forward to doing this again sometime when there's more news to, to, for us to chew over.
0: Well, I appreciate you, yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing what you shared. i I know that you're kind of scratching the surface on a lot of this stuff because you've done some great investigative work. I've read some of your your articles and and what you've been publishing. You've been following this pretty intensely, and so it takes a lot of effort to kind of understand and then be confident um, in this stuff. and then once you kind of have a handle on it, you're staying on top of it because things are changing every single day. And you're then able to see the narrative and propaganda versus what is actually happening. And then, as you said, try to get a step or two ahead of it so we can create a solution. Because right now a lot of people are living in fear and we don't want to live in fear, but we also don't want to live in ignorance. You know, if, if the 5G is going to hurt us, and not be positive. We should know about that. And if the coronavirus is super, super deadly and it's going to kill all of us, I want to know about that. But I want to know the truth. I want to know, um, you know, if it's reasonable to be doing what we're doing. And what are the what are the causes and effects for, for of a lockdown? Is there something behind that? And that's one thing a lot of people don't really take into question. They don't question their government. They don't question the media and they don't question experts. And that's part of the conditioning that I grew up with. And you should always question the government. If you look at history, you should always question authority um, because if you don't, they can just kind of run amok and you you can look at any history book to figure that out. And the solution is with the people. What do we want? You know, what is the best narrative that can come out of this? What What are we learning? What's important to us? How do we work with our community how do we work with our neighbors how do we get clear on what kind of world we want to live in and ensure that we do that as a people through our actions and our participation and if we can do that we can create something that we are proud of and that's all it takes is participation we don't need a government to or a degree or any outside thing to say that we need to do that we just need to get clear on what our values are what do we want to build and how do we want to live and and start to build this new thing so it's interesting times. I appreciate all those amazing resources, your time, your effort. Uh, if people want to follow your work and your reporting and everything you're putting out, where should they go?
1: Um, well, like I say, uh, I'm in a number of places, but probably the best place to start. And I apologize. The website is not everything it could be, but my main article is on there and some other things. It's the, uh, hypgnosis or i don't know if you can put it in the show notes but yep. hypnosis.co and uh you could even just search on my name guy crittenden blog or guy crittenden syria or guy crittenden i don't know a word like uh pandemic or covid <laughs> and you'll find me and uh yeah i intend to keep producing material and uh reporting the truth as much as I can and giving a perspective and uh, helping elevate us all into the life that we want for ourselves at a human scale with uh, the technologies that we democratically approve and select, not things that are imposed on us because it's good for some shareholders who uh, are right now building bunkers inside of former nuclear launch pads because they know what's coming at them
0: <laughs>
1: all right thank
0: you <laughs> <laughs> ending i have to ask you about that all right well thank you so much about uh for coming on today thank you guys for watching uh we'll see you in the next episode all right brother namaste there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Guy Crittenden. He is on Facebook. He has been putting out a lot of information. He does fantastic research. It really goes to the uh, what I've been speaking about a lot on Facebook and on Instagram, some of the stuff that I learned when I worked on the human trafficking campaign um, to bring awareness to it with the International Tribunal of Natural Justice, when I studied why we still have war and why we still have starvation. There are systems in place that do not have our good in mind. It's unfortunate that it's all in our face right now. I've spent, uh, you know, the better part of my life trying to build solutions, um, bring awareness, um, think about how we can create a meaningful, impactful life so that we can um, find solutions to these big problems. But they have been there. They are there. And now they're all up in our face um, for us to see who are willing to look. Uh, they do exist. And so let's let's face it, um, make peace with it, and find solutions together because there is a bigger picture to what's going on here. Yes, COVID-19 does exist. And there are things going on, but there's also a lot of things going on behind the scenes and so if we can become aware and have more uh, awareness more perception more information we can make better choices as individuals for our families and our communities and as a collective so let's all um be kind to one another let's do our research let's be tolerant let's seek understanding so thank you guys for listening um like i said i'm i'm blacklisted shadow banned all that kind of stuff for talking about this so if you can become a patron and support go to patreon.com forward slash Matt that helps. Leave a review in iTunes. Um, uh, join the academy. Um, that's over at mattbelair.com/slash you know, academy. You'll find it there. Um, you're going to get access to amazing stuff, amazing amazing contests, uh, the Soul Compass course, brainwave entrainment, so much more. So, would love to have you in the academy. That supports the show. And for those of you guys who really want to level up and you're serious about your commitment to your life, to what you're capable of, to making a difference, or you want to level up your business and want to know the best techniques and peak performance consciousness and everything in between, hit me up mattbellaire.com forward slash coaching and would love to work with you. So thank you so much. Uh, Have an amazing day sending all of my love and blessings through the airwave and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.